The Litro Lab Podcast. The Boat Ride by Jane Downs. It is this the image I want to take with me. The pink light of early morning, rising wintry above the mist. The water, grey and murky, rippling gently where the oars pull. I was raised on this river, lived for years in the house receding at my back. It's a red brick, two-storey build, quite comfortable for the family of four that we were, and typical of so many homes that line the Surrey waterway. A neat lawn runs down to the bank. It will be horribly muddy when the rain falls, whilst the paved patio, although ideal for summer lunches, is a fool for moss. It resists even the strongest jet of water, as any close inspection will quickly confirm. My parents bought the house new, as I remember, a thing my father was always proud of, a thing so few can afford to do now. My students are all horribly in debt. I wonder how they can ever hope to get on. And who will buy the house now, now we're gone? Tom is rowing. His brow is furrowed as it always is when he'd rather not talk. But I'm okay with that. It was his idea to leave like this, and it was a good one. I just want to take it all in, store it all away. Feather the nest of my mind with as many tiny gems as it can reasonably hoard. The water has a muddy smell, a weedy odour of sediment and sodden clay. It flooded once, you know, that house. The entire ground floor knee-deep in sludge. And for months the whole place reeked of damp. Wet dog, we joked. And our poor old collie wagging her tail like it was the best idea anyone had ever had. She's been gone a long time now. Poor soul. A group of swans floats by, necks tall on the tide, and I'm reminded of the river's royal past, of the plots and pageants, the rich brocaded silks flapping in the breeze. Tom asked at breakfast if I wouldn't rather just get a cab to the airport, pulled our passports from an inside pocket and waved them at me with anxious eyes. I shook my head. We have to do it this way, as much for Dad as for me. He would have wanted things done well. My father always lived on the water, you see. He knew its every tug and swell. He was a meteorologist by profession, an interest he developed in the Navy during the war. We should really, of course, have settled somewhere on the coast, but my mother loathed the countryside, nursed a near-crazy fear of isolation. I think it was for her that he chose the house, near enough to the city to keep her wistful blues at bay. It failed to keep her close to my father, of course. She died when we were still girls, my sister and I, after a long illness, her absence like a fading colour that slowly leached away. Tom is checking the time. I know he's worried we'll be late, but I am happy to dawdle here a while. I want to breathe in every detail of this ride like some rich perfume, for I may never see the river again. I close my eyes raise my face to the sun, and am touched by its gentle warmth. She is a loyal friend, this sun. It was my father who taught me to turn my eyes to the sky, to read it like a book. He had a stool, a three-legged thing that sat up against the back wall, on which he would sit early in the morning, smoking his pipe. As a child, I nestled bleary-eyed on his lap, drawing pictures in the stars, or weighing the mass of rainfall in a passing cloud. Will the sky look different now? Certainly my understanding of it will be altered. 
I'll no longer have to worry about my hair or suitable attire, although I am told the women are all quite glam. No danger of me letting myself go, then. Tom has pulled up the oars, is letting us float, and I pat his hand. I'm not sure many men would show quite so much poise. It's going to be quite a change for us both. Sissy says it's because he speaks the language and can navigate the paperwork, but I don't honestly see what difference that makes. But then Sissy's always been an optimist. It's why she didn't get involved herself, I suppose. Just trusted to luck. I shiver suddenly, cold. There's always a chill on the water, even in summer, but at this time of year the damp is heavy and deep. I pull my fleece closer about my chin and blow into my hands. I don't really mind it, the cold. It feels right somehow, out here in the wet silence of the Thames. It is peaceful, and I am rocked by the crib-like push and pull. As children, my sister and I made faces at our reflections, giggling as our features buckled and swam. But Sissy was never a true sailor. She is more like our mother, I suppose, hates to get her feet wet. And I miss her suddenly, my little sister. I hope, of course, that she will visit, but we've always got on better from a distance, and now, I suspect, although she will not say, she would rather stay away. It was a Sunday, the day he fell. He'd been fixing something, a loose gutter or twisted aerial. I was never totally clear exactly what, but he fell hard, and for a man my father's age, the prognosis could never have been good. I sat with him every day, stroking his thin hand, rambling on. What on earth did I find to say, I wonder, all that time? I will have talked about the weather, of course. He had always enjoyed the shipping forecast, and I remain convinced that if anything could have stirred some dormant spark, it would have been the musical lament of those long familiar names. But he had already gone, you see. I was talking to myself. He had large hands, my father, and it is these I see in the river's glassy face. The calloused roughness of his palms, the yellowed thickness of the nails. In the boat, Tom's hands look smooth, the pale white of garden lilies. He's looking at his watch again, for the landscape is cluttered now, the fields and towpaths few. We will soon arrive. I look at the bag we packed together and consider throwing it overboard but I know Tom would be appalled. I don't want him to worry on my account, for I'm a big girl now and it is time I stood alone. Should I tell him so? I think not, but it would be better, he knew. He is staring at me hard, tears blooming in great, thick, splashing pools. There is a car waiting on the bank, a group of men in dark clothes watching as we moor. It is this his gift to me the deal my clever husband made with his friends on the force. He has dropped the oars, is leaning forward, gripping my hands, grasping my arms and holding me in a clumsy hug. We must make for a strange sight, the two of us, embracing unsteady in a beat-up old rowboat. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Dear Tom, he has done the best he could. The thing my father liked best was a storm. He loved to watch the thick, mauve clouds roll in from the sea. The danks swell as the rains break. The strobe-like split of lightning as it cracks across the sky. 
he would have approved of a dramatic end. Indeed, had the fall proved fatal, he would not, I'm sure, have contested his lot. But to end unending, to drift eternal on a flat sea, he would never have stood for that. Which is why I did what I did. Why I took the pillow, held it down, my eyes shut tight, the sobs like slugs of hail catching in my throat. My own incarceration will not, I hope, be final. There will be patches of sky, and regular visits from Tom, I can be sure of that. And the rest I shall carry with me, my hoarded treasure. A brocaded banner of mud and mist that I shall bravely fly from the tower's highest post. Subscribe to the Litro Lab podcast on Spotify.